Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's 13 years later, 1988. I can't pretend to be Muhammad Ali Jr. anymore. I'm no longer full of beans. Those beans have long ago been knocked out of me. I'm managing a video store in Louisville, Ollie's hometown, 500 long miles away from my home, family, and friends. I work 60, 70 hour weeks, sometimes even more, in this little bitty brown box, which in effect is my own personal coffin with a cash register and hundreds upon hundreds of third-rate Hollywood dreams. But I understand that there's something larger inside me, something timeless. What the hell is it? It's a week before Easter. Sundays are the only day I get away from my little brown coffin. Every Sunday, if there are no emergencies at the store, I walk down to the river with Lynn, Johanna, and Isaac. The kids and Lynn playing on the shore, finding freshwater clams, picking up pieces of driftwood, throwing and chasing a blue ball, laughing, but I can't engage. I'm standing there with them, but I can't see them, I can't hear them, certainly can't touch them. Where I really am is squeezed into my little brown store, my tight brown coffin. I may be wearing jeans and a t-shirt right here, right now, but I'm not really in those clothes. I'm strapped up in my button-up white shirt, my thin little tight-ass necktie, my stiff, scratchy, cheap-ass 
brown trousers, tight lace-up brown shoes, the very things I wear every single day, six days a week, 70 or more hours in the little brown, brown, brown store. My dad was, he was Peter Pan. He never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. That's Rashida Ali Walsh. But he was a little boy at heart. He still was very playful, and he didn't lose that. Even in his final years, he's still grandiose. He's the same person as he was before Parkinson's. Just people don't really see that side of him, and I'm glad you were able to capture that in your story. My dad loved people. My dad loved being Muhammad Ali. He loved the way he made people feel. I'm Davis Miller, author of the cult classic, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. But before I became a professional writer, I was a frustrated, uptight manager of a video store. That's right, Tarantino. I did it long before you did. And did I mention the store was brown? Anyway, it was nothing more than a strange twist of fate that set me on an irreversible path. The grief-stricken inner child in me had to learn how to hang loose. And with that, our journey continues. Episode 2, The Cosmic Child. It's 1988, and I'm not thinking about Ali anymore. He'd been my childhood hero. What I'm thinking about instead is I'm a manager of a video store in Louisville, Kentucky. I've got two young kids. I'm married, have a mortgage, car payment, and I'm called to the home office in Cincinnati. I think I'm getting a promotion. My wife, Lynn, and I are struggling to get by. We've taken on way too many bills. I'm looking forward to a big raise. Here instead, the president of the company tells me that they're closing all the Kentucky stores. I won't have a job anymore, and they can't afford to send me back to North Carolina. So we're stuck. I'm going to get 30 days of severance. Then I don't know where money's going to come from. We have maybe a couple thousand dollars in savings, and that's all. So I'm hugely depressed. Driving back into Louisville, I coincidentally drive past the house that I know to be Ollie's mom's house. There's this block-long white Winnebago parked in front with license plates that read, The Greatest. Having more than a small clue who that is, I got to stop and thank this guy for what he's meant to my life and what he's meant to millions of other people. It's March 31st, 1988. Good Friday. Two days away from Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday. And Muhammad Ali saves my life for the second time. I work up my courage and I park behind the Winnebago. I go up to the door, getting ready to knock on it. I have my fist raised. Ali opens the door before I knock. He's so huge, I'd forgotten how huge he is. He has to lean under the frame of the doorway to see me. He's standing there looking like a big, lighted, beautiful house high up on a hill somewhere. 
He motions me in with two fingers of his right hand. And I immediately recognize he's deeply Parkinsonian. He's not speaking much anymore. Ali moves mechanically to the rear of his Winnebago. It's my great-grandfather's walk. You like magic? Man, I'm not much of a believer these days, I say. Watch my feet, he says, standing maybe eight feet away. His back to me and his arms perpendicular to his sides. Then he seems to levitate maybe three inches off of the floor. He turns to me and in his thick, slow voice says, I'm bad. I'm bad. I laugh and ask him to do it again. Man, it's a good one. We leave the Winnebago. Suddenly there's a chirping insect in my ear. I jump back, swat the air, turn around. It had been Ollie's hand. How'd you do that? I want to know. He raises both fists and motions me out into the yard. I put up my hands and he tosses a slow jab at me. I block and counter with my own. Surely he doesn't remember my time sparring with him in 1975. He doesn't know who the hell I am. He's throwing shots at me. I'm throwing shots at him a half inch away from each other. Kids riding past on bicycles stop dead in the road. There's people with their car windows rolled down yelling, Hey, champ! Hey, champ! And he's one-fourth as fast as he was in 1975. But his eyes are shining like black electric marbles. And he's wide awake. After about five minutes of moving around, he stops and leans over close to my ear and says, Come on in the house. His mom's in there, Mrs. Odessa Clay, Mama Bird, and his brother Rockmon. Ali asks me to join him on the couch and invites me to stay for dinner. Good gosh, I need to call home and let my wife know, I say. I call in and tell her where I am and what I'm doing. I'm sure she's excited for me, but we have a lot of history. Just pick up a gallon of milk on the way home, she says. Rockman comes from the kitchen, bringing two big bowls of chili, sweating cold glasses of root beer, and huge thick pieces of white bread while Ollie and I watch Oprah on TV. After I eat, I feel like I need to use the bathroom. So I get up and excuse myself in Muhammad Ali's mother's house, my childhood idol. I'm in the bathroom. I do whatever it is I do in there. And I get ready to leave. Suddenly the door won't open. I'm yanking on it, and I yank on it harder and harder. It won't budge. I can feel my face flushing red. I'm getting more embarrassed by the moment. And then there's this laughter from the other room. I hear Mrs. Clay laughing. I hear Rockman laughing. I hear Ollie snickering. And suddenly the door opens. Ollie was holding the knob, keeping me in there. He drags me out into the main room, tosses me gently down onto the floor, gets on top of me and starts tickling me. I'm laughing. I'm laughing like a kid. I'm laughing uncontrollably. And I recognize that despite his Parkinson's, Ali hasn't lost his highest gift, the ability to move people past thoughts and words to a world of feeling and play. I'm not thinking about my problems. His family, they're not thinking about their problems. And Ali, as best as I can tell, isn't thinking about his Parkinson's. We're all children again, playing. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second-grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.
Muhammad Ali was a cosmic child. You couldn't hang out with this guy for 10 minutes without seeing the kid come out. He had to mess with you. He had to mess with the world. I was not naturally a playful person. My time spent with Muhammad made me far more playful than I'd otherwise be. What have you got to say about this, Craig Mortali? We were in a hotel somewhere, and I said, Muhammad, have you gained weight? You look a little bigger. And he looked at me and he did you call me? N-word. And I said, yes, yes, I did. And he started laughing. He'd slap his thigh and oh, throw yeah. his head back. and yeah. Almost like a silent laugh. But he was cracked up because I knew where he was going with it. And I beat him to the punch. A lot of times we were together for the first time in a long time. Maybe we'd take a picture together. And I invariably would make a fist and put it to his face. And then he would bite his lower lip and take that angry pose with me or put his fist up to me. And we were just playing. He did all of these things with gestures and with his fingers and his face. He would rub both his index finger and his thumb together and make this cricket sound. Craig's doing it. My, my hands won't work today. There it is. He would sneak up behind people and do that in their ears when they didn't see him. He'd do it with complete strangers in a crowd or he'd do it with friends. Over and over again. And people would jump and swat. It's a little cricket noise. So that was my initiation. Within the first 45 minutes of meeting my hero, he's messing with me. So many of the things he did were a way of saying, wake up, wake up. He wanted to wake you up with the things he did. At least that's the effect it had on me. And there's something downright mystical about that. Well, the other nonverbal thing he liked to do, there was two of them and involve his fingers. And one, he would sneak up behind you and put the rabbit ears behind you or like or, or the devil horns. Yeah, he'd do that behind you your, when you were taking a picture. The other thing was if he thought you were being goofy, you know, he used to say, are you crazy, man? You crazy. But if he just felt like being nonverbal, he would point his finger, oh, yeah, point it to his ears and make that circle motion like, you're nuts, man. He, he did that a lot as a nonverbal sort of communication or cue. Yeah, it particularly as the years went on, he did that one more and more, too. I love your show. I admire your style. But your pay, but is, your so pay is so I cheap, I won't be back for a while. <laughs> well. I felt honored because he said the same thing to Dick Cavett, everybody, Johnny Carson, Howard Cosell, David Frost, whoever. No matter how many times he said that stuff, you'd laugh and you weren't forcing a laugh. Many times he used humor to diffuse a serious situation. Absolutely. Sometimes somebody was taken by Muhammad's health, felt sad, yeah. or if somebody was uncomfortable he would break that situation with humor. What did Lincoln say after a four-day drunk? He'd always say, I freed who? who? It was just terrible jokes like that. But when he did it, it was funny. I was at the Super Bowl one time. I bring my friend to the room to meet Muhammad. And Muhammad was watching one of those crazy afternoon talk shows. You are not. Muhammad could see that my friend was kind of choked up and sad. And he reached out and he shook his hand and he pulled him in close and he whispered something in his ear, vulgar, about the female anatomy. And my friend just cracked up. And then I said, Muhammad, you're, you're crazy, man. We walked out. 
And we went to the elevator. The doors open and I look over my shoulder and my friend is now in tears. I said to him, don't you feel sorry for him? He made you laugh, didn't he? He goes, he did make me laugh. And I said, well, then don't feel sorry for him because he's all there. And my friend got over it right away. But for a moment, he was thinking back to the guy he knew in the 70s. He's still there. He just can't get it out the way he used to. Muhammad detected this guy's bumming out. So he told him something outrageous to break the tension and made him laugh. He used humor to diffuse uh, a heavy situation. Magic. Man, did Muhammad love magic. He was pretty darn good as prestidigitator, too. That was a really cool one he did with me. And I only saw him do this one time. He put this handkerchief down and said, there's a ghost in the house. There's a ghost right here. And he would make the handkerchief float, would raise up in the middle. I don't know how he did that one. Of course, the one he did with everybody was the levitation thing. My son Isaac, for years, thought that he really had levitated, too. And he couldn't be the only kid who did. You know, he loved old horror films, particularly those from the 30s and 40s. Muhammad also got a kick out of Christopher Lee, campy Dracula movies from the 1960s and 70s. Black and Whites, The Mummy, Frankenstein, Wolfman, all of that stuff. I remember when he was chasing Isaac around the house, saying, Frankenstein, I eat people. Eat your ears. (laughs) Just like a big kid. And of course, one of his favorite gags, too, is, is when he'd get in a crowd and he'd see some kid or some older guy who was a, maybe a little shorter than him, but close to heavyweight, who was almost always an African-American guy. And he'd point to him and say, Joe Frazier. And, and then he'd toss punches at that guy. Right, right. And it just pulls everybody into his circle. It's inescapable that you're in the presence of someone who does transcend race, religion, culture, nationality. You're meeting someone extraordinary. He was never more than a half step away from a joke. He never lost his sense of fun and sense of humor. And I think for young men, especially athletes today, stop taking yourself too seriously, man. Have fun enjoy it. Don't think you're bigger than the situation itself. Muhammad's situation was really heavy and he was as big as they come, but he always remained a man of the people and wanted to share goodwill and fun with everybody he encountered. No matter how ridiculous his antic was or whatever came out of his mouth, there was almost always a profundity to it. There was a wisdom in it. And I think there's a wisdom in just that simple sense of play. That keeps you from getting old. It keeps you from getting bored. It allows you to have a good time with your life. That things that other people would have not dealt so well with as he did. The things that you've mentioned, Craig, that's a major part of his transcendence. He didn't let the shit get him down. He just was going to have fun no matter what. That beautiful, playful, eternal child. Rashida Ali Walsh is the second oldest child, along with her twin sister Jamila, of Muhammad Ali. 
She's an author, a spokesperson, a Parkinson's disease advocate, and she joins us now. Hi, thanks for having me. Davis met your dad in Louisville and spent some time at your grandmother's house. Your dad welcomed him in to dinner at Mama Bird's house. Mama Bird, yeah. Uncle Rahman is there with Muhammad. Yeah. And Davis excuses himself to go to the bathroom. And then your father locks him in the bathroom and leaves him in there. And they're laughing outside. And then finally he let him out. And he tackles Davis on the floor and begins tickling him. Talk about that playful nature in your dad. That, that he, he reverted back to something a little boy would do. We'd be in an elevator. And strangers right in front of us. And my dad would take his finger and kind of go up to a stranger's ear and kind of make this crackling sound. It sounds like a bug or a fly. The cricket, the cricket. And the person would turn around and thought that it was a a bug. Then he would reveal who the bug was at the end of our elevator ride. He's always loved joking around, making people laugh. He was a little kid. He didn't lose that, even in his final years. He would play around with the cars on either side of us. And some people would be like, what a weirdo, and then keep driving. But then some people would take a double take and go, you know, cars would almost drive off the road because they're like, I can't believe Muhammad Ali was just next to me. My dad would just go to the phone book and just call people. Hello? He would say, this is Muhammad Ali. My dad's wife had to change his number once a month because people would call back. And then it would just be too many people calling. He did it all the time. <laughs> My kids were little, and he had a farm. And the time that we would spend together was so magnificent because my kids got a chance to see their grandpa at a time where even though I saw my dad at that age, I didn't really remember. By the time I was five, six, my parents divorced. So those young years, I didn't really recollect because my dad wasn't in the same state as me. We didn't live together. So I was going to give my kids the memories that I didn't have. We would watch videos together, movies, Western movies. We would watch Elvis movies. We would watch him, his favorite subject. And it would just be so much fun connecting with my dad and my kids getting to know their grandpa. He had on the property a gym that he used back in the 70s. And my kids go in the boxing ring with him and just play around. And then he had a heavy bag. He would play with his grandkids and us. And we just had the most magical time together. It was just really a a magical time for us. It was so big, it was 88 acres. He would go out there and just walk. And sometimes we'd all go out there and walk with him. You could walk for miles and still be on the property. Nothing was better than that. If you spend time with him, you didn't have to speak. I know my dad's eyes and the way he speaks with his eyes. I just understood non-verbally what he was saying with his eyes. We would laugh and his eyes would light up. That was the way that we were non-verbally able to communicate with Parkinson's. He didn't have to talk. He just looked. And he used his facial expressions. He used his hands. He used his eyes. 
He's still grandiose. He's the same person as he was before Parkinson's. Just people don't really see that side of him. My dad loved being Muhammad Ali. He loved the way he made people feel. One time we were just hanging out with my dad at the house and he's like, let's go out on the town. And I said, let's go. When celebrities go out places, they have 20 security people. My dad was nothing like that. He wanted people to be able to connect with him. I've been with him on many trips where security was automatically provided. And he said, no, you can stay back. He wanted to connect. He wanted to make people feel special. People from all over the globe would come visit him. And he got my boys into magic. And so Nico bought this Chris Angel magic kit. And he started practicing. Nico showed Daddy the floating card trick. My dad, he loved it so much. Nico had to do it four times. He was like, do it again. Do it again. He was so excited. A lot of documentaries on my father, people who do those documentaries don't include his kids. It's a disservice because my dad had nine children and he loved us so much. He traveled all over the world. He did everything he could. He sacrificed a lot of time away from us to be a huge influence and to help people of the world. But at the same time, he did all of that for us. My dad was a very loving and caring human being, but he was also a loving and caring father. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next time on The Dow, Muhammad and I step deep into the mystic, and my life is forever transformed. Also, we sit down with Reverend Al Sharpton, who shares his own personal stories with the champ. Nali said to me, even what you do, it's not how good you can throw it, it's how good you can take it. I keep telling you, Sharpton, you get out there fighting the system, they're going to throw punches. If you can't take it, don't get out there. And it was stuff like that that he lived by. The Tao of Muhammad Ali is produced by Imagine Audio, for iHeart Podcast and hosted by me, Davis Miller. My co-host is Craig Mortali. Cara Welker, Mark Bouch, Nathan Clokey, Derek Jennings, and little old me, Davis Miller, are executive producers. Produced by Craig Mortali. Sound design and mixing by Juan Borda. Music by DJ Spar and introducing a very good pal of mine, Isaac Miller. Additional music is provided by Opera Louisiane's 2023 production of Approaching Ali and also Luminescence track Nuage. Visit luminescentmusic.com to check out more from the band. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 